Shabbat Shalom. I want to talk today about misplaced fear. So as I'm getting ready, I want to think about first the words on the screen. Shema my words so that you may learn to fear. We're to learn to fear. I know that when we think of fear, we normally think of two different things. One is a negative emotion, right? An emotion that is triggered by danger, either real or perceived. Or we think of fear as reverence, revering God. What if we've been looking at fear wrong? What if in the context of scripture, fear is actually something different? I want to dig into Proverbs 1, 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. The fear of Adonai, the fear of yod heh vav -He, is the beginning. So the beginning can be first in the course of an action, right? The first step that you take. Or the beginning can be the most important thing, the most important step to attaining knowledge. I would argue that it's that, that it's the most important step to attaining knowledge. What kind of knowledge? Is it just knowing something? Knowledge here. So have you ever really given this verse a thought? So if the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, what does that really mean? Knowledge, da'at, the Hebrew noun da'at, it's experiential. As in, it's a process of attaining an understanding through experience for practical application. It's not just a cognitive understanding. It's an experiential. So what kind of knowledge is this? In Genesis, the tree of knowledge of good and evil tells us it's a moral knowledge. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of moral knowledge. And we can confirm this by going to Hosea 4.6. Yahweh says, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Is it because they didn't have technolo technologically knowledge? They didn't know calculus? They didn't know? No. They didn't have moral knowledge. <laughs> if it was, then we'd all be... <laughs> in danger, <laughs> some of us at least. Um, and so if we rephrase that, the fear of the Lord is the most important step in attaining moral knowledge, okay? But there's more in this verse. It's actually an antithetical parallelism, which is just a fancy word. It's a literary device that's often used in Hebrew poetry. It's when two statements are put next to each other that contrast each other. They're opposing statements. So we look at the opposite 
of the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. The opposite of that is the fools despise wisdom and instruction. So if the opposite of that is that the fools despise wisdom and instruction, then the fear of the Lord must be the opposite of despising wisdom and instruction. So it must be that we love wisdom and instruction. That's how you fear the Lord. So fear has this connection to wisdom and instruction. So what if fear is an act of obedience? I want to go to Deuteronomy 4 and spend some time there because I think it spells it out very, very clearly that the connection between fear and wisdom, fear, wisdom, and instruction is an act of obedience. Deuteronomy 4, 1. Now, O Israel, listen to the statutes and ordinances that I am teaching you to do so that you may live and go in and possess the land that Adonai, the God of your fathers, is giving you. Listen to the instructions. Listen to the commandments. Shema. It's not just saying hear them. It's saying listen, as in understand, obey. It requires an action. Do. Now, in verse 2, you must not add to the word that I am commanding you or take away from it in order to keep the mitzvot, the commandments of Adonai, your God, that I am commanding you. Your eyes have seen what Adonai did at Baal Peor, for Adonai, your God, has destroyed from among you everyone who followed Baal Peor. So he's saying, remember, go back, remember what God did. But you who held tight to Adonai, your God, are alive today, all of you. So those who remained faithful are alive. We know the, in the commandments are life. Verse 5, see, that's ra'ah. And it's not just see. In the English, the weight isn't there. It's look, observe, consider. Just as Adonai, my God, commanded me, I have taught you statutes and ordinances to do in the land that you were about to enter to possess. Six. You must keep and do them, for it is your wisdom and understanding in the eyes of the peoples who will hear all these statutes and say, Surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. For what great nation is there that God's so near to them as Adonai our God is whenever we call on him? What great nation is there that has statutes and ordinances that are righteous, like all of this Torah that I am setting before you today? So here we've... we've we have a we have wisdom, right? We're supposed to be on guard. We're supposed to be on guard, and we are just to not forget what the Lord has done. Verse 10. Actually, sorry, 9. Only be watchful and watch over your soul closely, so you do not forget the things your eyes have seen, and they slip from your heart all the days of your life. You are to make them known to your children and your children's children. Verse 10. The day that you stood before Adonai your God in Horeb, so remember again, back to Horeb, Adonai said to me, gather the people to me and I will make them hear my words so that they will learn to fear me all the days that they live on the earth and so that they teach their children. Shema my words so that they will learn to fear me. Then we go on to verse 11. You came near and stood at the bottom of the mountain while the mountain was blazing with fire up to the heart of the heavens, darkness, cloud, and fog. Adonai spoke to you from the midst of the fire, the sound of words you heard, but a form you did not see, only a voice. 
He declared to you his covenant, which he commanded you to do, the ten words, the ten commandments, and he wrote them on two tablets of stone. Adonai commanded me that the time to teach you statutes and ordinances so that you might do them in the land you are crossing over to possess. So again, we're bringing to memory what God has done. He gave his commandments. Verse 15. So be very watchful over your soul, since you saw no form on the day that Adonai spoke to you in Horeb out of the midst of the fire, so that you do not act corruptly and make for yourselves a graven image in the likeness of any figure. The form of a male or female. I want to pay attention here. It's very important because the form of a male or a female, the form of any animal that is on the earth, the form of any winged bird that flies in the sky, the form of anything that creeps on the ground, the form of any fish that is in the water under the earth, and so that you do not lift up your eyes toward heaven and see the sun and the moon and the stars, all the heavenly hosts, and are drawn away and bowed down and worship them. So all of a sudden we've gone back to creation. Man and woman, he created him in his image. We have all the animals. We have the sun, the moon, the stars. And he's saying, don't worship creation. Verse 20, but you, Adonai, has taken and he has brought you out of the iron furnace, out of Egypt to be a people for his own inheritance, as you are this day. So we're taking, we're going back to Genesis all of a sudden. We're looking at creation. Why? Could it be because that's where God gave instructions and where we disobeyed God's instructions? Verse 21. Furthermore, Adonai was angry with me because of your words, and he swore that I would not cross over the Jordan or enter the good of the land that Adonai your God is giving you for an inheritance, for I must die in this land. I am not crossing over the Jordan, but you will cross over and take possession of, the, of that good land. Watch yourselves so that you do not forget the covenant of Adonai your God, which he cut with you, and make for yourselves a graven image in the form of anything that Adonai your God has forbidden you. For Adonai your God is a consuming fire, a jealous God. Again, don't forget. But he's saying, when you do, verse 25, when you father children and children's children have been in the land a long time and you act corruptly and make a graven image in the form of anything and do evil in the sight of Adonai, your God, provoking him to anger. So we, we are told, don't do these things. And then verse 25, but when you do, Verse 26, I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that you will certainly be carried off quickly from the land you are crossing over the Jordan to possess. You will not prolong your days in it, for you will certainly be destroyed. This comparing to Genesis is when they partake, partook of the, of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. So, but when you do. God gave those commandments in Genesis knowing he knew it was going to happen. Yet he still had a plan. He still had a plan for redemption. Verse 27, Adonai will scatter you among the peoples and you will let, and you will be left few in number among the nations where Adonai will drive you. There you will serve man-made gods of wood and stone, which you do not see or hear or eat or smell. But from there you will seek Adonai your God and you will find him. You will seek him with all your heart and with all your soul. When you are in distress and all these things have come on you in the latter days, you will return to Adonai your God and listen to his voice. For Adonai your God is merciful God. He will not abandon you or destroy you or forget the covenant with your fathers that he swore to them. So here we find hope and mercy in the middle of him giving his commandments, telling us not to forget them, to remember them, to obey his instructions, to learn how to fear him. 
by obeying his instructions. Then he knows, but when you mess up, he gives us hope. And again, back to the Genesis account. Just like in Genesis, we're told in Genesis 3.15, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. The Proto-Evangelium, the first gospel. Pointed to Yeshua. It all points to him. Verse 32. Indeed, ask now about the former days that were before you, from the day that God created man on earth and asked from one end of the sky to the other. Has there ever been such a great thing as this? Or has anything like it been heard? Has a people ever heard the voice of God speaking from the midst of the fire as you have heard and lived? Or has any God ever tried to come to take for himself a nation from within a nation by trials, by signs and wonders and by war and by a mighty hand and an outstretched arm and by great terrors like all that Adonai your God did for you in Egypt before your eyes? Reading the Torah portion last night with the kids. Uh, God split the Red Sea. And I asked them, because at the end of it, after he performed all these signs and miracles, after Israel complained and after God gave water, after God gave food, they complained again. And then finally, he shows them signs over and over and over. I am with you. He says, do not forget. So I asked, I asked everyone, what is fear? What does it mean that they then feared the Lord? So, of course, we went over the, the answers that I gave in the beginning. It's a negative emotion. Maybe we fear God because he's, he's a God worthy to be feared. He is the most high God. He is holy and righteous. He's worthy of our awe and reverence. And yes, I think that that is what fear is. But it also looks like it's a fear. It's an act of obedience. Let me continue in verse 35. You were shown so that you might know that Adonai is God. There is no other besides him. From the heavens he made you hear his voice to instruct you, and on earth he caused you to see his great fire. You heard his words from the midst of the fire. Because he loved your fathers, he chose their descendants after them. Then he brought you out from Egypt with his presence by his great power. To drive out from before you nations greater and mightier than you, to bring you in to give you their land for inheritance as it is this day. So you will know today and take heart that Adonai, he is God, in the heavens above and on the earth below, there is no other. You must keep his statutes and his mitzvot, his commandments, which I am commanding you today so that it may go well with you and with your children after you, and so that you may prolong your days in the land that Adonai, your God, is giving you for all time. So while I was preparing for this message, I kept asking, Father, what what do you want me to share? Show me what you want me to share with everyone. And at first I didn't get anything, and I'm like, okay, I'll ask again later. And so I did, and I just kept kind of asking throughout, throughout the course of just living life, Father, the date's coming up. What do you want me to share? <laughs> and then he showed me the fear of the Lord. I'm like, okay, I think I hear you. Can you confirm that for me? And he did. A couple days later, Something else comes up, and I said, okay, fear of the Lord. That's what it's about. So I came into this, preparing this message, thinking it was going to about, be about revering God, fearing him, being in awe of him. And then I started actually researching 
everywhere that fear, yare, was in scripture. And so you'd see all these verses where it says, fear the Lord, fear the Lord, fear the Lord. And then you would see fear not. And I'd skip those. So I'm like, that doesn't really make the point of what I'm trying to make, right? (laughs) And so I kept on. I'm like, okay, fear the Lord. Looks like there's a connection here. Every time we are to fear the Lord, there's an action required of us. And I'm going to show you a couple of examples. But they're all over the scriptures. So then I thought, let me go back to fear not, because I'm probably not supposed to skip those just because it's convenient. So I go back to fear not. Anytime God's telling us to fear not, he takes action. So when we fear the Lord, when we're told to fear the Lord, an action is required by us. When he says fear not, he is taking action. I'll show you a couple of verses of this. Fear the Lord. Leviticus 25:43 You shall not rule over him hardly but you are to fear your God. This is talking about when there's a brother that's come out of Egypt with you and he's com- coming into hard times and he wants to become an indentured servant. He's telling you you shall not rule over him hardly you are to fear your God. That requires an action of us. We need to obey that we are not to rule over him harshly. Next one, Exodus 1.17. One of my favorite stories. The Hebrew midwives of Exodus. The The midwives feared God and did not do as the king of Egypt commanded them, but let the male children live. So here we know the king of Egypt has told these Hebrew midwives, anytime there's a male child born, you are to kill him. Why? Why was that so important? Because he didn't want, he didn't want a whole bunch of Hebrew men to come up and start against him, right? They would raise up, they would be strong, they would raise up against the king of Egypt and his armies. So the midwives, they feared God rather than the king of Egypt. And they didn't do it. They let the male children live. That was the action they did. When they feared, the midwives feared God and did not do as the king of Egypt commanded, but they let the male children live. Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes 12, 13. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. Fear God, keeping his commandments, is fearing God. Now let's look at a couple of verses where it says, fear not. Deuteronomy 3, 22. You must not fear them, for the Lord your God will fight for you. Fear not, for the Lord your God will fight for you. The Lord is taking action. That is why you are to fear not. Isaiah 41.10 Fear not, for I am with you. Be not, me, be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. An action by God. And this is a bonus one. Exodus 9.30 Moses tells Pharaoh, But as for you and your servants, I know that you do not yet fear the Lord. He's not yet obeying the Lord. After all of these signs that he's shown him, and he's saying, let my people go, Moses tells Pharaoh, you don't fear God yet. You're not going to obey him. I came across this story, and it was, there's a child 
And his mom tells him, go outside, bring in the trash. Bring the trash from the curb. Mom, but I'm afraid of the dark. I don't want to go out there. It's okay, son. God is with you. God is with me. Yes, God is everywhere we go. God is out there in the dark. Oh, okay. The child sticks his head out the door in the dark. God, if you're out there, can you bring in the trash bins? <laughs> How often do we do that in our fear? God is right there with us. We know he's with us. We say we trust him, but we're still scared of something. We're still fearing something that is not God. So why is this message so important? If fear is an act of obedience, then the object of our fear matters. If fear is an act of obedience, the object of our fear matters. We all have misplaced fears at some point in our life. Every single one of us in this room. Some of us have fear of the future. We don't know what it holds. Some of us have fear of loneliness. We think we're going to be alone forever. Some of us have fear of rejection, abandonment. Some of us just fear what others will think of us. We fear man. I can admit that's, that's me. My calling has been confirmed to me multiple times through me and others. Standing up here today, it's hard for me not to fear man more than God. But even though he has confirmed these things in, in me, even though I know that I am up here in an act of obedience when it is hard for me to do so, because I know that people don't think that I should be up here. I know that there are people that walked out of this service because I am up here today. And so as we were worshiping, I'm just praying, Father, I want to fear you more than man. Because I've walked through the scriptures. I've had other people walk me through the scriptures. I had my elders walk me through the scriptures. And I know that I am not going against scripture. But it is still hard. And I am still fighting through it. But I know that we're all struggling here in this room through something. Fear of relapse. Fear of going back into something that God's brought us out of. That's a real fear. Fear of another loss. Fear of finances. How are we going to pay for something? Fear that we have no worth. Fear that I'm too young to make an impact. Fear that I'm too old and it's too late to make an impact. Fear that we're not truly qualified for what God is calling us to do. That we don't have enough experience. That we don't have enough knowledge. We're not smart enough, we're not strong enough, we're not brave enough. All of these things, they go through our head and every single one of us struggles through it. Can I tell you that when we fear something, we obey what we fear. We can say that we fear God, 
but we obey what we fear. And like it or not, what we fear is an idol that needs to be crushed. It needs to come crashing down. We have misplaced fear. We cannot fear the things of this world. We cannot fear man. We cannot fear anything but God. Because when we do fear other things that are not God, we put ourselves back into a place where Adam and Eve were deceived. When we start questioning, did God actually say? Did God actually say that he will be with me? Did he actually say that I'm worthy? Did he actually say that I'm qualified or that he will equip me? Did he actually call me? We know that misplaced fear leads to worry, anxiety, paralysis. Not only do we sit around and worry about it, worry about the future, sometimes it just stops us in our place and we don't move when we should be moving. And sometimes it even leads to death. So Psalm 118.6, I pray will be what we take to heart. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. For what can man do to me? And I know that was a short message, but I think that it's a really important one. And as the worship team comes, I want us to really, really consider the Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Nothing. So choose this day whom you will serve.